This is Photo BizX, episode number 497, and today our focus is wedding photography, and specifically, how you can set up and run a successful photography business that includes fantastic album sales in today's market. Our special guest is one of Australia's most talented and skilled wedding photographers. I'm talking about Eric Ronald, and I know you are going to love him and what he shares in this interview that's coming up shortly. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, photographer, interviewer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview photographers and business experts from around the world to help you grow a better photography business. I know you're going to love today's interview, and I am wrapped that it is a wedding photographer. I feel as though if you are a wedding photographer listening to the podcast, you may be feeling a little neglected because it seems to be ages since I've had a wedding photographer on the show. I can tell you, Eric Ronald is the perfect guest to jump back in on the topic. So that's coming up in just a second. And of course, if you are a portrait, pet or newborn photographer, I can guarantee you're going to pick up some great things from Eric and what he shares in this one coming up as well. Especially if you sell albums, you want to sell albums or you want to sell more albums to your clients. Before we do get into that interview, if you didn't catch last week's episode, it's the one where I fumbled at the start after having just one week off from the podcast, but it was a series of recordings from some of the best photography business coaches in the world. They shared their thoughts, their views, their ideas, their predictions for the year ahead. Make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. The feedback has been fantastic, and if nothing else... Get back and have a listen to it just to hear the different accents from all the different coaches and get to know them all a little better. So when the time comes that you need to hire a photography business coach or you want to hire a photography business coach, you'll have a better idea of who you might gel with after hearing their outlook for the year ahead. Oh, and also last week, I did mention that there are a series of courses that I'm working on or working with other photographers and business experts on to bring to you in the first half of this year. Although it's not available to sign up for yet, I did want to give you a heads up that Kirsty McConnell from the Pet Photographers Club, who is now living and based and working in Italy, she will be coming on later in this month and sharing exactly how you can get started in pet photography if you are not a pet photographer. So if you're photographing newborns, families, kids, weddings, commercial, headshots, branding photography, and you want to introduce pet photography or you want to go all in on pet photography, keep an eye out for that training when it goes live or when it will be presented live later this month. I'll have more details about that in the upcoming episodes of the podcast and via email as well. But if you know anything about Kirsty, you'll know that she does know how to run a successful business. In fact, if you're not already following along and you are interested in pet photography, you should really get involved and follow her journey as she starts up her brand new business in Italy. I've been following along and it's just incredible how much she's achieved in such short time by implementing so many of the things that she teaches to other pet photographers. In fact, she even picked up a bunch of those ideas from listening to the Photo Biz X podcast, which makes it extra cool. So I'll have more details about that training coming up soon. But if you've ever entertained the idea of introducing pet photography to what you do, you do not want to miss that training coming up at the end of the month. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we are going to jump into this interview with Eric Ronald. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Eric. I am saving a portion of the second half for premium members only. 
So if you are loving what Eric shares in the first half, if you want to hear the full interview with him, if you want to get more detail about increasing those album sales, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details over at photobizx.com forward slash try. With that $1 30-day trial, you can access the full interview today with Eric. You can get access to the full back catalogue. You'll get an invite to the premium members Facebook group so you can check what that's all about. You can also access all the discounted courses. There are so many benefits to becoming a premium member. And again, you can check it all out for $1 for the next 30 days. Photobizx.com forward slash try for more details. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is an Aussie-based wedding photographer. But he's not just any wedding photographer. His work cuts through the noise and stands out as something special. And it really does. You'll see that for yourself when you check out his work. Now, in the early days, he jumped into film school after completing high school and learnt the skills to become a cinematographer. But things in that world weren't what he imagined. He found his way onto television and worked on shows including Deal or No Deal, Dancing with the Stars, Australia's Got Talent and many others. And 10 years later, he quit TV, bought a camera and travelled for a year. And from there a love of photography was born and he found his way into wedding photography where he's been able to create dramatic and emotive stories for his couples ever since. And once you see his work, it's no wonder he's been so highly awarded for his wedding albums. I'm talking about the super talented Eric Ronald and I'm wrapped to have him here with us now. Eric, welcome. Oh, what an intro. I think I'm just going to play that at the start of every day as some kind of affirmation. Uh, so, yeah, that's wonderful. And you've done your homework too. So, uh, much appreciated, mate. Wait, no worries. But, uh, no, good to be here. Good, good, good. So, I mean, it sounds like you're on track to have a great career in TV and as a cinematographer. Why did you sort of grow tired of that industry? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I was kind of, um, I certainly seem to have something to prove as a young lad, whether it was to me or or my parents or whatever, we need to ask Freud about that one. But I was pretty gung ho, and yeah, found myself kind of climbing up the ladder in TV, especially. Um, in TV, it got to the end of its trajectory. I felt like the last kind of role I was doing was a technical director, and it started to just not be fun anymore. It was fun for a long time, like live TV, the excitement of that. Um, as a technical director, you are looking at camera pictures, finessing exposure and lighting and, and making it all look pretty. And certainly as much as a, um, a trashy TV show as it may be, like shows like Dancing with the Stars were a lot of fun because it was live, it was variety, there was lots that had to be orchestrated and that, a lot of that kind of fell on my shoulders too. So that was exciting, but it just started to feel a little bit like it had just there was nothing new for me to explore the negative components started to outweigh the positive components, basically. Rewinding before that, I was a big passion of mine and I did very much want to become a filmmaker and a cinematographer. I think that I basically just started it too young. I'm still kind of understanding it now because I still think about film. I think about photographing weddings as shooting a film. It's part of my mindset. But I did start, I came straight out of high school, went to film school and started shooting and I think that while I might have had the ideas and the, even the technical side of things I was pretty onto, maybe just I just wasn't an adult yet. And dancing with the adults on set was something that I hadn't quite learnt how to do properly. And also, the, I guess also hand in hand with that is it's a collaborative process working as a film crew. And I struggled with that as a young man. Now it's actually something that I crave, if anything else, but... I don't know. Being on set is complicated. There's a lot of egos. There's a lot of ideas and a lot of moving parts. And the exact opposite of that is being a wedding photographer where you're a one-man band, essentially. You're the, the director, the producer, the cinematographer, everything. And yeah, there is a, a whole lot of creative freedom and scope. And there are also photos that really mean a lot to people. So it ticked a lot of boxes for me. So it was a weird Weird twists and turns to kind of end up doing it, but yeah, I love it. I've been doing it for quite a while now. And how long? I think maybe 11, 12 years, something like that, between 10 and 12 years, maybe. Yeah. So the shooting itself, still crazy in love with. And yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, constantly doing those tweaks to make it sustainable, I suppose. Yeah. Are you shooting video today or purely stills? Purely stills. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. I mean, because your photos, they do have that 
cinematic quality. It looks like they could be part of a video. Do you feel like that? Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's certainly what I strive to do. And it's funny, some of the, you know, uh, I think a lot of photography can be described as cinematic and it's quite an interesting topic in of itself. What is a cinematic image? What is it that it's something that I try to do, make cinematic images, but what does that even mean? It's quite interesting and I think it does mean different things for different people. For me personally, some of those elements that I am very mindful of is putting a huge importance on light, how to use light, not just in individual frames, but having a cohesive, holistic approach, whether it's in a sequence of images or a scene of images or the entire day, really looking at it holistically. When I started wedding photography, it really was a huge emphasis on a blog post. It wasn't one single shot or a carousel of images on Instagram or whatever. It really was the home base at the time was really about an epic blog post, which really lent itself to my background in cinematography. Now it's a little, obviously it still comes through in individual frames or little or sequence of images, but that direct correlation is perhaps less relevant now when it's more about short form, whether it's a a reel or stories or a carousel of images. It's an interesting new challenge for photographers and videographers to adapt to this more and more short form visually, which is it's not a problem. It's, uh, you know, creativity is problem solving. So that's the problem for us all to solve is how do we, uh, how do we communicate more with less? That was a pretty fun challenge, I reckon. When you're talking about short form and, you know, reels and cuts and little sequences, that sounds like you're coming at it from a marketing point of view rather than for the client. Because a client, is a client interested in short form or are they, they want the, the whole story, don't they? Yeah, that is true. And I think that I think there is an interesting conversation to have in terms of what we deliver to the couple in terms of even specifically, for example, giving them finished products that are more geared for social media. I think that is important to the couple in this day and age. It's about sharing our lives. And if you're getting married, that's going to be something that you're going to want to share with your friends and and followers and strangers on the internet. So, you know, handing over collateral that is suitable to post, I think couples will like. But also, I agree with what you're saying in that what I'm talking about is from a marketing perspective. It is about sharing our work as an important component to maintain our businesses. And that, yes, you know, with what I tend to give to my couples, it is more of a long form type thing, whether it's a slideshow. I make my couples sit through 15 minutes of a slideshow, which is really quite long. That's a lot of photos and I drag them out and it's all very slow and dramatic. And then a big, long online gallery. Are you making them sit through a 15 minute slideshow of their photos or other couples' photos, your portfolio? Their photos. So basically I'll send couples a little sneaky peek of a selection of images, let's say one to two dozen maybe on average. And then from there, once I complete the edit, the first thing they would really see is a slideshow, which is essentially a selection of around 100 to 200 images to music. And it really kind of holds their hand through the photos rather than just going, here's all your photos and you're just scrolling through hundreds and hundreds of images. It's this idea of, yeah, I guess that's probably the way to articulate it is holding their hand. And here is what I want you to see. Here is your day unfolding And you can't just flick through and look at them all in two minutes. You've got to really just sit down and let them wash over you. And I think it's quite a powerful experience, which of course ties into marketing and business, this idea that providing a really impactful experience when they first see their photos or one of the first times they see their photos, it can be really quite special for them. And, you know, there's often mentions of, oh, we didn't expect we'd need to go and you know, have the tissues on the ready and, you know, oh, we ended up, you know, sitting around the telly and inviting some friends over and popping some champagne and, you know, you're providing this experience, you know, you're just sending click on an email and you're hiding away in your dark study and they're they're having this big celebration around it. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. I agree. That's unreal. Before we get into the marketing side and, you know, exactly what your clients are getting, I'd love to dive into a little bit about the business side of what you're doing. And uh, before we started recording, you actually said something interesting. You said you actually used the term anti-business. <laughs> <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> well, I'm certainly not anti-business in that I do run a business and I am therefore a business person. 
But what I meant by that is that I find a lot of the language around, like, let me reset on that. I'm a photographer. That is what I do. That is what I love. That is what I think about. That is how I see the world. That is what I have to give. And, you know, in terms of this even starts to get a bit light and tingly, but, you know, we all have these these kind of assets that we can give in our life. And, you know, I admire people that can really, you know, go out and change the world and fight for climate change or become a politician and try and make some good change in the world. Well, for whatever reason, you know, they're through all the twists and turns. What I can do is is take photos and I do it with a huge amount of passion and dedication. What that equates to in terms of outer success and my bank balance is of far less importance to me. I make stuff because it makes me feel good giving what I can to other people, specifically with wedding photos. It's giving people something that really means something. You know, people come and go in life. We find gray hair, which we're not seeing because you're not recording video, but, you know, we're getting older. And and this idea of just capturing this epic day is something that's really important and um, a little snapshot in society. But I digress. All of that stuff is a priority above the inner workings of the business. And how I feel about what I'm doing is far more important than the particulars of business strategies and things like that. Of course I do, you know, I need to charge money for what I do and I need to get inquiries coming in and I need to book couples. So of course that's all the reality of what I do. But I just always revert back to, you know, it's almost like that cliche of what is your why? And so, you know, by being mindful of that, everything filters through that. So what that equates to is running a pretty simple, streamlined, no fuss kind of approach with my pricing structure albums and additional hours and things like that. It's just kind of keep it simple, I guess, is my approach. But also by prioritizing how I feel, sometimes it's to the detriment of my business. If I'm feeling a bit icky about sharing my work on Instagram for whatever reason, you know, as a creative and sensitive person, there's always a dance around sharing stuff and how it makes you feel. Currently, I'm not feeling like posting that much. And that doesn't serve my business well, but that's just kind of what I need to do to feel good about what I do. So that's a little bit of an answer as to why I would say I'm a bit anti-business. Of course, I'm probably overstating it, you know, using those exact words, but that's where I'm coming from there. Sure. So when you say, you know, you have a simple approach to business and serving your clients, you mentioned your pricing there. Like, What's an example of your most popular package? What does that include and how much does that cost? Yeah. So in terms of, um, I used to just have one package. Like when I really started, it was all the rage, this idea of one fee, unlimited coverage. You know, no one's going to do that for very long. That's uh, There's a, a lot of downsides to that. Then I kind of went to a one single 10-hour package. And I liked that because I find that for a typical wedding, if it wasn't a destination wedding or anything like that, that that would kind of cover most people in terms of what the type the type of day that how I would approach it, I suppose, like from getting ready shots through to the dance floor, that 10 hours seemed to be a magic number. But then I was encountering, and particularly as I was increasing my pricing, I was encountering scenarios that didn't quite fit that main package. It could be people with budgetary kind of concerns or wanting to, you know, book me, but not invest in that full kind of package. Or it could be the other direction where it could be a destination wedding where it might lend itself to more coverage. So it's kind of led me to an ever-evolving thing of having three packages being six hours, eight hours, and 10 hours, and then additional hours that can be added on from there. And, you know, you asked about specifics in terms of dollars. Um, I tend to, you know, in terms of my, I'm a bit of a Beatles fan. So my three packages are currently Beatles albums, Revolver, Sergeant Peppers and Abbey Road. So uh, Abbey Road is my 10 hour package and that's 8,200. And that basically is the coverage, all the images and all that stuff with really the only real extra beyond that being an album, as well as, of course, you know, prints through the print store and that kind of stuff. There's things like travel, if it's appropriate and whatever. But while that, I don't know, I'm not sure what you think, if that sounds complicated or not, but I do find by sending off a quote where it's a pick and choose quote, 
the options are there for the couple. You don't need to do this dance of what do you choose and upselling and downselling. Because I'm comfortable with my pricing, I don't really care what they choose from a money point of view. I'm just wanting to make sure the day is captured how I feel it should be captured. There could be some days where, you know, let's say it's a pretty modest wedding at the registry office. Um, It could be that it really is okay to not have like getting ready shots, for example. Or if the couple aren't having an epic party at the end of the night and they just, you know, go to a restaurant and, and that's that, then I may not need to be there until the bitter end. So I'm really just interested in having the day captured properly. So yeah, those kind of three seem to work well there. And even having the six hour package, not something I book a lot of, to be honest, but when the couple comes along where they might have a shorter day and potentially wanting, uh, you know, budget limitations, which is of course totally understandable, it could lean them in that direction. But yeah, literally tomorrow I'm shooting 14 hours. So, um, you know, it can vary wildly. Right. So what does it cost to add an extra hour or two hours? Is that just per hour? Yeah, it's just per hour. Um, what do we got here? So an additional hour would be 770 But, you know, in the case of tomorrow, I think that it was always planned to be a particularly long day. So I may have, you know, I think I put together a, bit, a specific quote for these guys, given that it was a long day. So I think in that case, they didn't do four extra hours at 770. I think far from it, actually, to be honest, from memory. Okay, cool. Mate, it does sound simple, but what does stand out to me is the fact that you have so many awards for your wedding albums. It looks like you shoot for an album, if you can say that someone does that. You know, you've got these Australian Wedding Album of the Year with the AIPP, multiple years running. Are most of your clients wanting an album? And are you selling the idea of an album like right from the start? Yeah, a little bit of all those things. There's plenty of couples that don't purchase an album and that is, again, completely okay with me. I tend to, at no point am I cramming anything down anyone's throat. Um, again, go back to what we touched on earlier, it makes me feel a bit icky. Um, sometimes I'm a bit overly paranoid about coming across like, you know, too much of a business person. So I need to remind myself sometimes <laughs> that it's, it's okay to sell yourself. So, but yeah, with the album, I do talk to them about it through every step of the way, basically. Something we can maybe touch on is a really significant thing for me with album sales is having a little bit of an offer to bundle in their album at any point up until the wedding. That's been really significant for album sales. So maybe we can circle back to that. But in terms of the amount of couples that get an album, I would say it's maybe half, I would imagine. I'm sure if I pushed it more, it could be more. We also know that with albums, even though there's amazing software out there, like specifically smart albums and things like that, there is always the correspondence and it's always more time consuming than probably we would like as photographers where, yeah, the back and forth, the waiting for draft feedback and things like that, it can be this dance that can really um, go on. So I think I would probably pull my hair out if every couple did order an album, to be honest. So it's working at the moment. But without going back into the photography creative side of things, yeah, I do tend to just instinctually shoot with that holistic approach in mind, which does inadvertently shoot for an album very well. So in terms of things like establishing shots and cutaways and cross-shooting really means that when you approach it that way, doing a spread, is it almost designs itself. Nice. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I just want to, I want to give the listener a better snapshot of you and your business before I get more into the album, the designing and the sales side of things, because I think that's what we all want to hear about. But a couple of things quickly, you said you've used the word young fella and, and when you're younger quite a bit, but you're not an old guy by any stretch. How old are you? I've just turned 39. So no, I guess maybe the reason I say that is that, yeah, I tended to finishing high school, just going straight into working really, um, you know, and working really hard from a young age. So, you know, that's essentially 20, 20 years of working my backside off. So in that sense, um, feeling a little bit older, but uh, <laughs> yes, I've still, I've still got my youth. Yeah. So you must feel like you're like you right now, you are in your prime as a wedding photographer in business. Is that how you feel? Well, in business, no, no, I don't. I think that the relationship with what I make creatively is the best it's ever been in the sense of things like 
what I'm giving to the couples and that transaction, the creative transaction, I'm not lost in any kind of, um, I don't know, getting caught up on, oh, this wedding will be really good for my folio or, oh, this is a really cool destination to brag about on the internet is all things that I could just care less about. I just have a really lovely relationship with wanting to invest in each couple and make some beautiful photos for them. And so that's the best it's ever been. There are, you know, there are aspects of what I do, particularly as a result of having a busy season or seasons mashed into one coming out of COVID. I'm a bit tired of some aspects of things, to be honest, in terms of workload and the administration side of things, the quantity of editing and stuff. They're the things that I think I've been better at previously when I've maybe just had a bit more gusto in that sense. So it's, you know, but it's always evolving and I'm, and I'm adapting to that as well, looking to always just make things more efficient. You know, can I outsource my editing while still delivering the same or higher standard of product? Things like that. And also there's lots of great technology that is specifically there for photographers and wedding photographers that do create a lot of efficiency in what we do. So that's been really helpful. Things like AI culling, and while I'm not using it, some AI editing stuff that's coming out there. I'm a Capture One user, so we're a little bit, um, we don't enjoy some of the first tier of some of those bells and whistles, but it's certainly not far off for Capture One users. But yeah, uh, Imogen AI and, and Aftershoot edits are two specific services that are pretty significant game changers for us in Weddingland, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. I know it's been a weird few years, particularly for wedding photographers who are sort of playing catch up for the lost couple with COVID, but what's an ideal number of weddings or where do you sit with number of weddings per year that suit you? Yeah, it'd be like 25, something like that. I think there's a pretty, it seems to be a pretty common trajectory for everyone when they start. You're naturally just wanting to establish your business and you always have this little bit of fear of it not working as well, I guess. So everyone naturally tends to also, you may not have a portfolio. So there's this natural trajectory of charging quite low and booking a bucket load of weddings. And so, yeah, you tend to get into that 50 plus kind of domain. And then inevitably at some point, you're going to experience some kind of burnout or fatigue. And then you start to reassess where there's tends to be a bit of a path that applies to everyone and it's just where that lies is charging more and shooting less to make it more sustainable for you. So, you know, from a business point of view and a financial point of view, that's certainly been a, a goal of mine that I, you know, make no apologies for or, or, or anything. And yeah, it allows me to feel good about what I do, invest in every wedding. You know, when you're shooting 50 plus weddings, you get to a point where you don't even know the names of the people you're photographing. <laughs> yes. You know nothing about them. You're just like, you know, you may not have even met them. You know, how can you, well, not how can you, you cannot do a brilliant job photographing their wedding in that situation. I am certain of, doesn't matter who you are, you know, when you're pointing a camera at someone, you need to be connected with your subject. You need to, you know, love them in some kind of way and that will harness the best that you can bring to capturing them so so you, you've found that balance so it sounds like to me you know it's a good number of weddings 25 but it also sounds and i might be wrong here but and correct me if i am your target revenue is around that two hundred thousand dollars a year from what you're shooting would that be fair I honestly don't know i don't have a target revenue and i don't even know if i multiplied my uh, yeah, for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, I just don't know. So I know that I can pay the bills <laughs> and that I'm trying to save and, and the end. And I don't claim that to be, I don't say that proudly. That's just, that's just kind of how I work. You know, I'm sure it would be very helpful to crunch those numbers and have those goals. I just don't. <laughs> I love it. I love your honesty and I, and I love the way that you talk about your business because I know for certain there's going to be listeners that are thinking, oh my God, Eric does business the way I do. I just want to shoot and have money in the bank without focusing on the money side of things. Yeah, no, that is that is how I look at it. And it's not about um, saying that we don't need money or, or anything about that. It's just, yeah, it's just not where my focus lies, I suppose. But of course, you know, in charging more, shooting less, I'm trying to make a good amount of money to, to live my life and, you know, support my family and things. It's just that that number crunching and those financial goals 
financial goals for some people can really harness that hard work and dedication. And I just harness that elsewhere, I guess, because I do really love taking pictures and, you know, giving couples a great experience. That's what excites me. So um, everything else kind of just works itself out, I guess. That's cool. You've also mentioned destination weddings and I, look, I've seen some of your work. I've actually got on my screen here next to me that I want to reference Omar and Susie's wedding in Cairo. How many destination weddings or what percentage of your weddings are destination weddings? Yeah, that's been forever changing. And yeah, there was maybe a few years where it was maybe even half when I factor in, you know, uh, of course, there's the most extreme case of like Egypt and Montenegro and wherever else, but there's, you know, like kind of resort weddings in Southeast Asia and things like that, which are lovely. So yeah, for maybe a period of time, it was half, but through all the twists and turns of having a family and a bit of burnout with travel as well, there was this, I was feeling as though I need to make some adjustments here and also catching wind or being tuned into the fact that if I'm wanting to book a wedding in Melbourne and they go to a website where they're seeing photos around the world that isn't necessarily connecting with a Melbourne couple and quite likely scaring a lot of them away. So all those changes were kind of in motion. And then COVID happened, which really fixed that um, uh, well and truly. So, you know, I'm at a point now where I have a few destination weddings booked, but it's not something that I am really seeking out specifically and and feel quite good about that. I've had my fun traveling around, but what I really love is making photos and I can do that around the corner from home. And it's a nice kind of creative task to go, you know, you don't need these fancy destinations to make beautiful photos. You could hypothetically create the greatest wedding photograph ever made in the burbs in Melbourne. There is no reason that isn't possible. So, you know, we don't need these fancy places to make it fun if you love what you do. So I'm quite comfortable keeping that destination wedding component quite low at this point because it, yeah, it serves me the best. Cool. Have you ever had any issues traveling when you were doing a lot of destination weddings, you know, getting through customs, you know, with a camera bag and getting questioned about, Hey, are you here to work? That kind of thing. Yeah. Lots of stories about all that. That gets a bit tiring too. You know, there are countries where I can, um, basically I've got American citizenship as well, which is quite handy. So that was quite helpful in that regard, but yeah, it does get a bit tiring. I guess when you're I don't know, a few years ago, it was kind of just this excitement and she'll be right. And yeah, maybe it gets to this point of like, oh, this could really, you know, ruin a couple's wedding if it's like, oh, sorry, I'm I'm locked up in customs or something. So yeah, that is always a little bit tricky. And also making that from a business point of view, it is always an interesting dance to make them truly profitable or to make them even equally as profitable as shooting here at home. There's what you might estimate as a travel fee and then what it actually costs you in terms of travel are often wildly different. And I think we generally tend to really undercharge with that travel. Even when you think of just the amount of days you're away from home compared to if you're shooting in your hometown, um, that is a lot of time that you're not at your desk working or you know whatever it might be. You're away for that wedding and then... Things like, you know, heaps of boring examples like airport parking. I mean, far out, like even that in itself, that's like hundreds of dollars. Or if you're Ubering there and back or, you know, meals and and all that stuff, uh, all very boring details to talk about. But, you know, it does add up. Flights especially. Flights are huge, especially in this post-COVID era as well. Airlines, I guess, are trying to make up for lost revenue in the past few years. So, you know, getting to Europe is expensive at the moment. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think I was chatting to someone yesterday about return flights to Europe next year are like over $8,000 or something, or they were looking at, but I'd need to fact check that if that's true. But, you know, that's a pretty big component if you're going to charge appropriately for your fee for photography and all the relevant travel, including eight grand in flights. Absolutely. That's huge. Eric, I'd love to bring it back to albums because I am sure there are a ton of photographers out there, wedding photographers that are you know, they have their pricing where they want it to be and they're basically or mainly delivering, you know, digital only packages or maybe some wall art along with that. 
But I'm hearing out there that less and less photographers are able to sell an album or they have to include an album at a um, ridiculously low price to get someone in on an album, even though they want to provide them. You know, what are you doing? I, mean, I think you talked about pre-selling up until the actual wedding day. But is there anything? How does that work? And is that sort of the best way to get an album into your client's hands? Well, I certainly don't claim to be any expert with selling albums. Sure. <laughs> I sell them. I do sell albums. And I'm sure there is a lot more that I could do. But what I can share is some things that have worked for me. But yeah, like I say, I certainly don't claim to be an expert. And I'm sure there's a lot more I could do. But one thing that has been pretty significant is this idea of, you know, how you word it is kind of up to the individual, but this idea of having an offer where the couple can, in a sense, bundle an album into their existing wedding package. So where that first might appear, which is very significant, is, you know, and specifically using Studio Ninja, but whatever CRM you're using, it's going to be some kind of equivalent where there's this idea of a pick and choose quote and also optional add-ons. So by having my, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've got these three kind of core packages, which are essentially just the amount of coverage that I do. Then just having a little tick box saying, hey, you'll save a bit of money on an album if you want to bundle it in and they just have to tick it to do it. That's a pretty low barrier to entry there. And there's a lot of couples where, It seems to be appropriate in today's climate. I think that if you're really cramming something down people's throat and really getting into sales mode, I know that I feel it. Like even, for example, people door knocking and collecting money for charities and, you know, fully support these causes and some are really close to my heart. There's something a bit cringe about feeling manipulated. Like, And even a specific example for the sake of conversation was learning my name and then using my name and then going, Eric, um, we've had a really good response on your street so far and your neighbours have been very generous. Can I count on you? (laughs) Well, I needed to reach for a paper bag and just throw my guts up and politely say no and then quietly do what I want to do with charities and causes I believe in elsewhere. But that's gross. That's super gross. And like, come on, like, good on you for supporting, you know, this cause, but that's manipulative and that doesn't make me feel good. So back to this is this idea that it seems like an authentic way of selling in this day and age is a humble tick box. Here it is. It's there if you want it. And how it's presented as appealing is by saving some money. It's not dancing around anything. It's not manipulating or anything. It's just there if you want it. And I genuinely don't really care if they tick it or not. Like I said earlier, I don't actually want every couple to get an album necessarily because of my poor time management skills. So that has worked exceptionally well. How much are they saving, Eric, if they tick that box then and there? Basically, like, could be like 500 bucks. I just got my price up here. So, like... Usually the a 30 spread fine art album would be two seven. And if they do this kind of bundle thing, it'll be two two. Right, okay. There's also another option to do the album with parent copies bundled in, which is an equivalent kind of offer. So yeah, they can basically tick a box and go, well, we're going to get an album anyway, so we may as well tick this box and have it sorted now because we might forget later. Okay, so on that email with that checkbox, they'll see the 27 price and what they'll be saving. So it becomes like an obvious choice if they want to get an album to do it now. Exactly, yeah. And it's um, specifically, it's emailing them a quote, which will have a link that then will take them to their client portal. And if you're using Studio Ninja, you'll know what I mean, whoever's listening. And yeah, so it will bring up this uh, pick and choose quote and have this option to kind of bundle that in. And yeah, just polite, like I tend to be fairly personal in my language and be fairly transparent. But essentially what you're saying is there is a special offer. Would you like it? Pick this if you do and you'll save some money. So yeah, that is a very effective tool. And while I don't think about this stuff too much, it is, of course, at a point where you've just met them, there is all that excitement around choosing their photographer and it kind of rides that wave. It's a bit gross to say because I tend to not think about it in that way, but we're talking about it now. And of course, that's the reality of it, that there is going to be that 
that's the time to kind of where couples are going to go. You know what? Eric was a legend. We had a great catch up. We're so excited for him to shoot it. You know, let's do it. So when have they actually seen an album? Is it only on your website or if they, you know, they search and, and see things popping up on YouTube or are you showing an album in person or on a Zoom console? Yeah, I am. Yeah. In the ideal world, I need to update my samples, which are an incredible sales tool. And your, I know with Memento, they have a really good offers to yeah make those studio samples much more affordable for the photographer. So keep that in mind and do keep your samples up to date. I'm very due to get some freshies. But yes, they are really great to um, even separate to selling or as well as selling albums is just sharing your work. If you're at a cafe catching up with a couple to actually say like here is printed photographs that look beautiful, again, to give Memento some props is like their color reproduction is amazing. A lot of the similar albums uh, use um, sRGB. Memento use Adobe RGB where there's that little bit of extra color gamut, which is really something that you can, depending on your photography and all that stuff, you can really kind of see and enjoy. So anyway, whipping out some fine art albums for them to actually see and appreciate your work in that context, especially for me, because what we've talked about with storytelling and, and all that stuff, it's a great way to share your work. And also, they might look at the album and go, oh, honey, you see how they've kind of got an embossing that's like their invitation and isn't that pretty? And, oh, it could be pink like our stationery and all that kind of stuff. And that is really exciting to personalize the album to them. Those yeah, things like custom embossing and cover materials is a really fun process because every couple is different and they have a slightly different aesthetic and, yeah, down to what material, whether it's like, uh, you know, leather or cloth or linen and all that kind of stuff and all the fun little color palettes and really personalizing it is super fun. I love it. So they're seeing actual real albums in the console. Then they see the email with, you know, from you with the checkbox. Just getting back to the sample albums, because you mentioned 30-sided albums and the prices for those. Is that what you're showing or do you, you know, sell a 30-sided album but show a 60-sided album, for example? Premium members of Photobiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. That's so good. That's so good. Mate, I said I was going to ask you one more question about Memento. I better ask you because the listener will chase me up if I don't. Paper stock or particular album, is? have you got a favourite that you think, yeah, I'm so glad I found this? Yeah, I mean, it's and it's nothing, you know, I think it's pretty common in, in my circles in wedding photography land, but the old 10 by 10 inch uh, you know, flat cotton rag paper. It just is a really nice, uh, it just is really good dimension to design to in terms of using both landscape and portrait photos. I love the cotton rag paper stock that Memento use. It's, you know, no artificial, what are they called? Brighteners and stuff. It's just a really nice natural looking stock. Yeah, that's kind of my go-to. I'm always interested in switching it up though. And there could be a wedding where I've done, for whatever reason, like a whole lot of wide cropping. Could be like, there could be a lot of landscape and I might do a bit more of like a 16-9 type crop. And yeah, you could start looking at, I don't think, I'm just saying this hypothetically, I don't think I've done it actually recently, but yeah, you could look at a more of a landscape orientation album or vice versa. A very editorial portrait orientation images to do that in the album is really cool. So, you know, it always is good to deviate. And from a business point of view, is it ever ideal just doing the same thing as everyone else is doing? I think it's nice to have your own approach. Same goes with the embossing design. I certainly can't claim to, but I see other photographers out there really just giving their albums a real signature look and investing the time in having really great, separate to the spreads, just how the album looks, the, the cover design, the embossing real a real strong signature look that is going to be really appealing for couples when they see those they're going to want them as a almost like a styling element in their home like you know a real conversation piece that's on the coffee table next to the designer you know fashion books and stuff so hats off to those guys that do that i mean i still go to a lot of effort with the cover design but i tend to draw on the couple's invitations and kind of things like that. But yeah, I've seen some really creative stuff out there, which is awesome. But yeah, you know, with Memento, I, I really love the product that they consistently deliver. 
The print quality is exceptional. The reason I seek them out in the first place is I just wanted them made in Australia. That was the thing. There is, you know, there's the usual players overseas and I'm just kind of going, you know, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to fly, you know, a book across the world? You know, surely that's not necessary. And and of course it isn't. There We have a number of really brilliant, you know, fine art labs, album making companies uh, here in Australia and, and yeah, Memento Pro is certainly one of them. And um, yeah, you get a sense that you're working with a family and a team and and it's got that personal touch, which is really lovely in the interactions with them as well. There's been times where I might have a special request for a certain material uh, or something like that. And they're always happy to do what they can there to seek out what options they can for me. And that's pretty great too. And yeah, when you receive it, it's been couriered from Sydney, not, uh, you know, not literally on the other side of the planet with all the, um, I won't start crapping on about climate change, but yeah, the, <laughs> if just the efficiency of that is, uh, is uh, bonkers. So um, yeah. So good. So good. Mate, Eric, I'm so glad that I discovered you. I honestly had a ball looking through your work. I love your website. I don't want to call it quirky, but it's different to what I'm seeing from other photographers. Uh, even the colors that you use, I would describe them as very bold on your contact page. Yeah, and- <laughs> definitely that. And I've loved hearing about you and the way you run your business and you really come across as a guy that can walk out the front door of your house, have your head held high and feel good about what you're doing, what you're creating and putting out there into the world and... Uh, and not be afraid to run into any of your past clients, feeling that you've sort of pushed them to spend way more than they wanted to. Uh, it's been really fun chatting to you, mate. So again, thank you so much. No, it's very kind of you to say, and, and I appreciate the kind words, and it does mean a lot. I think the terror that I have about running into my couples is more my crippling insecurities of, oh, do you like your photos or not? It's not so much, <laughs> did I screw you out of thousands of dollars? It's more the uh, more around the uh, the creative photo side of things. But yeah, I appreciate you saying that. It is really nice. It's always good to talk about this stuff because it reaffirms the things that are ticking away in your mind. And um, so, yeah, I've really enjoyed our time chatting. So thanks so much, Andrew. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric as much as I did. Eric, if you are listening, happy new year. And thank you again so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I've said it before, I honestly love your work, I love your approach to business and I really appreciate your straightforward and candid answers to all the questions I threw at you. Again, massive thanks and wishing you every success for the year ahead. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Eric had to share. If you would like to learn or see more from Eric, I've got links to anything and everything that he mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 497. In addition to those links, I've got examples of his fantastic work. And there's also a comments area at the very bottom of the show notes page. So if you have a follow-up question for Eric, you can hit him up there. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Eric into the members Facebook group. So if you have a a follow-up question, you want to get some more detail about something, you can ask him there. Make sure you tag him so he sees that. And if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, you can do that in the members group as well. It's shout out time. I've got one big shout out for today's episode. And this one is a little bit longer than usual, but I think it's really worth hearing. It's from Swedish photographer, Swedish family, children, and newborn photographer. She's actually super talented. Uh, I had a look at her website and was blown away by her work. Her name is Agnieszka Tunison. She's a new PhotoBizX premium member, and this is what she wrote in her Google review. She says, Andrew's podcast has been recommended to me by a fellow photographer. She told me about the website where you go to get to be a member for 30 days for a dollar. And you can listen to the host interviewing different photographers about their businesses. I registered, but honestly, I never used that 30-day membership because I was too busy with my life. Well, it was December and I forgot to cancel the automatic PayPal charges. So I was a bit annoyed when I saw that I got charged $20 for something I didn't even know or use. So I took a few minutes one morning to investigate the PhotoBizX website just to get some value for the money I just paid. I was ready to cancel at the end of the month, but then I started listening to the interviews. Finally, that was three days ago, but I am 
cooked. The interviews are my favorite to listen to when I edit or when I do other work. They are just the best. Andrew really asks his guests questions that everyone wants to ask, whether it's a celebrity photographer, a business coach, or a newborn photographer. Each interview is packed with useful information. I love, love listening to the interviews conducted so well and often with a dose of humor. And I've already been spending, I mean investing, my money in the courses offered to premium members. Now I only need a parallel life for all this. It's like I've discovered a whole new world. Simply brilliant. If you've gone through this saga, go to Andrew's website, do yourself a favor and register for the membership and thank me later. (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you so much, Agnieszka. It's been fun getting to know you inside the members Facebook group. And again, your work is incredible. I love that you've discovered the podcast. I can't wait to follow your progress and success into 2023. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to leave your, your story as a Google review. It's super appreciated by me. So thanks again, Agnieszka. It's great to have you part of the membership. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope wherever you are in the world, things are going great. You've had a fantastic start to the new year. Business is rocking along. The bookings are coming in. You're staying fit and healthy. And life is just great. For me, I'm about to get this podcast edited and out to you. Then I'm off for a quick run. Yes, I said run. Although I'm a mad keen cyclist, I've decided to introduce a little bit of running. I think I did this last year as well for a short amount of time, but I'm going better this year. I've been told it's the the right thing to do instead of just cycling all the time. So I've added some running into my week. My big aim is to get to two 5K and one 10K run per week. At this stage, my longest run is 8Ks. I survived that and looking to do my first 10K this week. So I don't know if you do any running, If you do, let me know if it does get easier. (laughs) At this stage, it's so much easier or less daunting to just jump on the bike and go for a ride. The running is still, it's not painful, but it's not comfortable. I don't feel like I'm floating along, let's put it that way. But I am told it gets easier the more you do it. So again, if you're a runner, let me know what your experience is. Will it get easier? Will I get faster? Will I actually enjoy the running as much as I do the cycling once I get better at it? Alrighty, I hope you are staying fit, healthy and well yourself. I will be back next week with another interview. Until then, bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 